0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church.
1: We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont. If you're in our area, we wanted to let you know that we have community groups starting back again in September. So check out that and other ministries we have going on here at newkingchurch.com. We're in the
0: fourth chapter of Matthew. And we're going to start at verse 12. So hear God's word. Now when he, that's Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, and and from beyond the Jordan. This is God's word.
1: All right, thank you. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. My name is Ben, and um, today I aim to answer five questions that are gonna help you to understand the whole Bible a whole lot better if you're a note taker. There's going to be five questions um, that we are going to look at revolving around the concept of the kingdom of heaven. If you're newer to all of this, you're going to hear this stuff coming up. We're called New King Church. And Jesus, we just heard, was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand. And he's going around preaching the good news of the kingdom. And so what is that all about? By the end of this message, I hope that you're going to understand that a whole lot better. And it's going to help you to understand the whole of the Bible a lot better. And so um, the five questions that we're going to look at are, what is a kingdom? Really simply. The second one is, what is the kingdom of heaven? The third one is, who is the king of heaven? The fourth one is, how does a person become a part of the kingdom of heaven? And then the fifth one is, what does a person do in the kingdom of heaven? And I'm going to try and do all of this in 25 minutes because we have a mission partner that we really want to give time to share before uh, we're done here. So uh, pray for me because this is hard for me. Okay, 25 minutes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do ask that right now you would empower me by your Holy Spirit to preach your word truthfully, to rightly divide your word. God, I ask for every person here that you would make our hearts soft and pliable in your hand so that your spirit can move freely and and make changes in us and show us um, wonderful things from your word. Would you just whet our appetite this morning for more of you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to look at the context here. Okay, we're going to just work through this passage. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but basically, we're going to take each verse and we're gonna we're going to break it down, and find out what it's talking about. Look at look at the passage, Matthew four, verse twelve. It says, "Now when he Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee." So this is actually telling us the time that Matthew is picking up the story. And and he's actually jumping into Jesus's ministry in his second year because this is when John is arrested. So if you've ever read the Gospel of John, the first four chapters of the Gospel of John have already happened here, but Matthew doesn't cover them. Matthew basically focuses on year two and year three of Jesus's ministry. The first year of Jesus's ministry, which John covers, is, a ministry, is the part of his ministry that is um, pretty hidden. It's, it's in relative obscurity. And then the second year, his ministry really explodes. His fame really explodes and, and he becomes really, really popular. The third year of his ministry, his popularity decreases and ultimately he gets arrested and crucified. And so that's where we pick up. John is Jesus's cousin. And John the Baptist is the forerunner to Jesus. And we've already um, covered this, his ministry earlier. You can go back in our sermons online and you can listen to that message. But John the Baptist goes out and prepares the way for Jesus to come. And his sermons are summarized in the same way that Jesus' sermons are summarized, which is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John the Baptist is a fiery prophet, and like many of the prophets before, he's not very popular with the religious leaders or the political leaders of the day. And so John the Baptist offers up a a pretty bold rebuke to King Herod, and he gets himself arrested. And that um, creates this building controversy, which leads Jesus to leave his small rural hometown of Nazareth and pack up and make the 10-hour journey, about 27 miles, to Capernaum, a slightly less rural but still small town on the northern um, shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it's a, it's a fishing town. And so um, it says, verse 13 and 14, And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. I'm probably saying that wrong, Um, but Naphtali or something. Um, So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. So he is, Matthew keeps pointing this out as we go through Matthew. He keeps pointing this out. Jesus did this or this happened in order to fulfill this prophecy. So he's going to, he's going to great lengths to show us this is the Messiah. He is, Jesus is the, the long-awaited promised Messiah. He is fulfilling all of the prophecies. And he quotes this, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Many times in the Bible, you'll hear this language about um, darkness, and, and it's a spiritual darkness that it's referring to here. And what that's talking about is that human beings, we are born in this in this blindness this darkness this deception we are unable to see what is really true and so jesus is the light he goes in order to reveal what's really true i love this exchange between jesus and pontius pilate in john 18 when he's arrested and he's standing before pontius pilate and he says to pontius pilate in John 18, 37, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world. Now what he's about to say must be pretty significant, right? For this purpose I was born, for this purpose I came into the world. And here's what he says, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is why Jesus came. He came to tell us, to show us what's really true. And so it's very important that as we continue to study Jesus and his life and his teaching, that we keep this in mind. He's revealing to us what's really true. And it's important that we remember that we have been in darkness. We have been deceived. We have been blind to what's really true. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It says from that time, which tells us this was what Jesus preached everywhere he went. This is is a summary of what Jesus preached and taught. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? Well, to repent literally means to have a change of mind. And, but it, but it, also, it also connotes this idea of walking away from sin. Oftentimes you'll see it say, repent of your sins. What it means in full is to have a change of attitude toward God. Change your attitude toward God and walk away from your sins, which are in opposition against him. That's what repentance is. Change your attitude toward God, walk away from your sins. And then he says, for or because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is that talking about? Well, if something is at hand, it's within grasp. It's near to you. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of heaven is available to those who want it. He says, repent, change your attitude, your heart toward God, walk away from your sins because the kingdom of heaven is available if you want it. So if that's the summary of all that Jesus taught, the kingdom of heaven is available to you. And then we read later on, he's going around preaching the good news or the gospel of the kingdom we should probably understand this concept of kingdom, right? We should probably have some grasp on what that means. What does it mean the kingdom of heaven? What does that mean for us? So, my five questions I want to I want to answer today. What is a kingdom? First of all, very simply, what is a kingdom? Well, a kingdom consists of number 1 a king or a queen, a ruler, Number two, a kingdom consists of people who are under the rule of that king or queen. And then number three, a kingdom consists of lands or territory that this king or queen rules over. That is at its very most basic um, what a kingdom is. So a kingdom is... Uh, The king's or queen's domain, it only extends so far as the king or queen's dominion or rulership or authority extends. And as more and more people and more and more lands come under that authority, that rule, then the kingdom expands. So the concept of a kingdom is morally neutral. It's a system of government. And so throughout history, there have been good kingdoms and bad kingdoms, because there have been good kings and bad king, and, and bad kings. And so the kingdom is literally just a reflection of the ruler over it. And if it's a good ruler, then it'll be a good kingdom. Um, so that's what a kingdom is at its most basic level. What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven does not consist of earthly lands. It's the kingdom of heaven, right? And so that means that the kingdom of heaven's citizens are not geographically defined. You can't look at one area in the world and say, that's the kingdom of heaven there. Instead, the kingdom of heaven expands or extends everywhere that a person willingly comes under the rule of the king of heaven. That's how the kingdom of heaven expands. And then what is the kingdom of heaven like? Well, look down at verses 23 and 24. It says, "...and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom." and healing every disease and every affliction among the people so his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains those oppressed by demons those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them all what's that talking about what, what does that have to do with the gospel of the kingdom well if you've been reading if you've been reading the entire bible up to this point then you would catch something here. See, in the beginning of the Bible, what you find is that there is a rebellion against God. And when this rebellion against God occurs, that that spreads to all humanity. Every single human being until Jesus is a part of this rebellion, or it's also referred to as the domain of darkness. It is a rebellion that was started by Satan, a spiritual entity that God created. And that domain of darkness, remember Jesus went to those who were dwelling in darkness, that, that, that domain of darkness and the curse of our rebellion, our sin against God brought with it all of this sickness, disease, affliction, evil, wars, and demonic Influence, demonic oppression, demons are the spiritual entities connected with the domain of darkness. So what we see here is that as Jesus goes and proclaims or announces the good news of the kingdom, then all of that stuff that's associated with the domain of darkness is just effortlessly undone. He's healing the sick and those afflicted and those oppressed by demons. Man, it sounds like this is a kingdom we want to be a part of, doesn't it? You guys with me? It's hard to tell with these masks. Give me a little amen or something every now and then. Um So, that's what that is a, a summary of the kingdom of heaven. Who is the king of heaven? That's my next question I want to answer. Who is the king of heaven? Jesus. Is the king of heaven. What do we know about Jesus so far in Matthew? In Matthew chapter one, we learn that he is the Son of God, born of a virgin, that he came to save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter two, we learn that he's the king of the Jews, but that he's also for the nations. The nations are drawn to him and worship at his feet. In Matthew chapter three, we learn that he will baptize his people with the Holy Spirit. He's gonna immerse them in the Holy Spirit. But He's also going to be the one to judge the world with fire at the end, in the last day. Matthew chapter 4, we learn that where every other human being failed the test against the tempter and rebelled against God, Jesus is like this new man, and he comes on the scene and he passes the test against the tempter. He's this new, this true and better Adam. And just where Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he passes the test. So he's a true and better Israel. And then we just read that he is this light to those who are in darkness. It sounds like this king of heaven is somebody we want to know, doesn't it? And we're going to find out more. Look at verses 18 and 19. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What's that about? Well, In these days, there were experts in the Hebrew scriptures called rabbis. And a rabbi would have students or apprentices under them. And these rabbis would look for the best students, the most educated, the most promising. And students would come to them, right? They would come to Jerusalem and they would seek out the best rabbi that they could sit under, and then they would have to be accepted by this rabbi. Well, here we find out that the king of heaven, Jesus, is also a rabbi. But he's going about things a little differently than everybody else that was a rabbi. Jesus is going and he's choosing his own apprentices. And he's going and choosing his own apprentices in the most Unlikely of places. He goes to Capernaum, a fishing village, and he calls out guys who smell like fish and sweat and hard work. And he says, I want you to come follow me. And I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Jesus surprises us. He, He doesn't do what we would expect him to do. We're going to find that every time we turn around as we go through the book of Matthew, that Jesus is not doing what we would do. He is so different from us and in every way that he is different, he is so much better. And so he calls his first disciples. He goes to people always. He's drawn to people who are a little rough around the edges. Right? And he calls them and he says, come Follow me. So that's who the king of heaven is. Now, fourth question I want to answer, how does a person enter or become a citizen in the kingdom of heaven? We've already heard the summary of Jesus' preaching, and that was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your attitude toward God. Walk away from your sins because the kingdom of heaven is available to you. If you want it. So, the first thing for a person to do in order to enter the kingdom of heaven is to change their attitude toward God. Decide you want a relationship with Him. And with that decision also involves deciding that you will stop living your life in rebellion against Him. You see? If you want a relationship with Him, then you've got to stop living in opposition to Him. And that's why the first word out of Jesus's mouth, Peter's mouth, on the day of Pentecost, when he's asked, brothers, what shall we do? John the Baptist's mouth is repent. You've got to stop thinking about life the way you've been thinking about it. You've got to stop thinking about God the way you've been thinking. Of it. You've been living in darkness. It's time to change your attitude toward God. Walk away from your opposition towards him and begin a relationship. with. So that's the first thing. You see, Jesus is a better king than you or I could ever fathom. Because our opposition, our rebellion against God deserves his wrath, his punishment. So you know what this king did? You know what Jesus did? At the end of his earthly ministry, he goes to a cross, a torture instrument. To take our place to die in order to pay the price for all of our rebellion against God. That's what this king is going to do for us. That's what he did for us. He makes grace available in that death and then his resurrection on the third day, he rises from the dead and he makes grace available to every person who turns away from their opposition toward him in faith. And so in a very real sense, when we turn to him in faith, that that trust, that faith is going to look like surrender. It looks like surrender. Why? Why? Because we recognize, oh, I've been living as a partner in the domain of darkness. I've been a participant in a rebellion. And I want out of this. And I want to join that. That's what faith looks like. And so when you do that, you know what it looks like? It looks like raising the white flag and saying, I'm done with my rebellion. With my defiance, with my anarchy. I have just learned that there's a better king, a new king, the real king, and I want to follow him. And so it looks like surrender. Jesus, he's no tyrant. He doesn't come and force his kingdom on anyone, but he is still a king, and he is the Lord of lords. Let's look and see what happens when he calls his first disciples. Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, verse 19, follow me, follow me. How do you follow someone? Well, you have to submit to their leadership. So to follow Jesus looks like submission. That's not a popular word today. But I'm telling you, you're following somebody. You are. And if you're going to follow someone, who better to follow than the king of the universe, the king of heaven? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Ah, oh, I wanna just go on and on about this, but I'm running out of time. I can, I can almost just hear the nets hitting the ground. When Jesus calls you, your hands open up. So whatever you're grasping onto your future, your career, your home, where you live, that person you're pursuing, those relationships, all of it, you let go. Because he's better. He's better. These guys, they left their career. They left familiarity. They left their possessions literally on the ground. They left their plans for the future. They left their family business. They left their identity. These these were fishermen, they left their old identity behind to follow a new king. Colossians 1:13 says, "He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son." This entering into the kingdom of the beloved son, the kingdom of heaven, means you must come out of the domain of darkness. And so it looks like surrender. It looks like open hands. It looks like submission to his leadership. Last thing, what does a person do in the kingdom of heaven? I'm just going to have to cover this quick. That depends on what your king tells you. I'm going to give you three broad things to think about. The first thing you know that you're going to do in the kingdom of heaven is you're going to follow your new rabbi. You're going to listen for his leading. A rabbi didn't just impart scripture knowledge. A rabbi said, come follow me and I'll show you how to live life the way I live life. That's what discipleship to Jesus looks like. We follow him and we learn to live life the way he lived, at the pace that he lived, with the trust that he lived, with the love that he lived. You see? And so to follow him means you you go wherever he goes. He says that his sheep know his voice. So you listen. Who do you want me to marry? It's up to you. Where do you want me to live? It's up to you. What career do you want me to pursue? It's up to you. What do you want me to study? It's up to you. Second thing a person in the kingdom of heaven lives to see the kingdom advance. Jesus said, Come and follow me, and I will help you catch people. What he means there is, I want to bring, I want you to come into the kingdom. I want you to help more people come into the kingdom. And so, a person in the kingdom wants more people to come under the rule and authority of King Jesus because you've learned that there is no better way. Last thing. Verse 24 says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria. This is what people do in the kingdom of heaven. They live for the fame of Jesus. I want to ask some some questions for you just to think about as we close. Are you following where your rabbi is leading or have you forgotten that that's what this whole Christian life is? It's daily waking up and saying, what do you have for me today? Second thing, are you living to see the kingdom advance or have you forgotten that that's the original call? Come and follow me and I'll help you fish for people. Are you thinking about the people in your life, in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood that don't yet know your king? Third Is the way that you're living your life glorifying Jesus? Are people drawn to him because of the way you live? And lastly, is anything in your life dishonoring to King Jesus? And if so, then I just want to invite you right now to lay that down at his feet. To walk away from that. Maybe you've surrendered before and you say, oh, I've already done that. But listen, this is something we've got to do continually. It's a daily thing. God, I'm yours. God, I, Tiffany and I had to do this just two weeks ago. We, we realized we had to pry our fingers off of some things. It is a surrender that you have to do continually. God, my future is yours. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, whenever. As we close, I want to invite you to believe the good news about this kingdom that's come, that's been made available to you through Jesus. And if you aren't in yet, I want to invite you in to turn away from your sins, change your attitude toward God, and come to Him in trust. Surrender and follow Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, God, I know that there's a lot that we just covered. Um, And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just see to it that the good seed that fell onto hearts would go down into good soil and that it would bear much fruit. Lord, continue to work in our hearts. Continue to challenge us to follow our rabbi to live with open hands, completely surrendered to him, to have a heart to see others coming into this kingdom. God, help us to live in a way that honors you and spreads the fame of Jesus on the earth. And I pray that anyone in this room that does not yet know Jesus would turn to him right now and believe be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.